Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. On today's Patriot Nation podcast, we are recapping the 2020 NFL Draft. We have Thor Nystrom on the show. He's going to talk about it. He covers college football and also the draft for Roto World and NBC Sports. It's a heck of a conversation. So buckle up and cue the music. Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands he has. Pass. Wilson, quick throw. And it's We are back. The draft finally happened, and it was glorious. It was glorious. I miss it already, man. There's nothing else on. I know. I mean, there's some talks coming out today <laughs> about the NBA and uh, NHL coming back, but it was good. It was a lot of fun that process. And now, uh, now we just wait for football and the decision and what's going to happen with that. Obviously, with what's going on, but um, yeah. it was great. It was great. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and, and I'll tell you, and I, w- I just want to get into, and we talk a little bit about Thor with this too, but I just just briefly, people are mad online, extremely mad online, that the Patriots didn't take, number one, a quarterback, and number two, a wide receiver, and I just think, you know, just a, a, a few things I wanted to address with that just really quickly. Number one, last year, they addressed wide receiver with a first-round draft pick. It's the first time Bill Belichick has ever drafted, for, for the Patriots at least, has ever drafted a wide receiver in the first round. They also traded their second-round pick this year for Mohamed Sanu. So you're talking about a position that you have. And, and by the way, they signed Antonio Brown for $9 million last year. So you're talking about a position that they invested heavily in last year. A first-round draft pick last year, second-round draft pick this year, and $9 million guaranteed last year as well to Antonio Brown. They also traded for Josh Gordon the year before, like a third-round pick as well. They have Brandon invested the heavily. Before that. The, right. They have invested heavily into the wide receiver position. Okay, they didn't need a wide receiver early. I know there was some talk about them maybe taking Justin Jefferson at 23 if he had been available. He obviously went 22. But, you know, the issue is that I have is like, well, what do you want them to do? They invested heavily in it last year. It didn't pan out. And so you what, you're going to spend another first on draft pick on a wide receiver? It just doesn't make any sense. And I know this class is unbelievable. I know it is. But you take a shot on some guys, and I like a shot. I like the shot they took on a few guys that were UDFAs. Because you take a shot late, why not? You know, and I just thought I, I thought the criticism on that was ridiculous. Yeah, and I think next year's class, they've been saying it for a while, 
might even be a better. little bit better and and, and even deeper if you can believe that. And it's just the game, the way football is played now. You're just going to keep seeing these freak athletes right. come out at wide receiver who are running four three four fours, and just it just freaks right. I mean, we're going to see that could be something they address. They want to see how Nikhil develops and Jacoby right. and how Sanu looks right. And 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 that's fine. And and you know you touched upon them not taking a quarterback. And I agreed with it. And it's not because I'm, I'm here beating the Stidham drum for a long time and I want to back myself up, but why take a quarterback like Jake Fromm, like Jacob Eason, even like a Jalen Hurts, if you were to fall in the fourth round, when you're already trying to hit lightning in the bottle with one fourth round pick last year? It's, right. and he's been in the building for a year. You've developed him. You know, they've praised him, which they never did with rookies, about how well he processed everything, how, you know, how well he developed it's just a waste. It's a waste of a pick. You're going to draft a guy in the fourth round or fifth round back to back years and try to develop him and, and, and go. That's just a waste of a pick. You did that last year and you like your guy. Why do it now? It's a waste. You know, you right. aren't, like I said, you're already trying to hit lightning in the bottle with Stidham. Why try it again? I agree hundred percent. And look, if Tua or Justin Herbert had dropped to 23, oh, yeah. that's a different yeah. story. Yeah. You know, but, but you're talking about, you know, you're, you're drafting at best, the what the fifth sixth best receive and by the way don't give me this jordan love crap dude the guy threw no. 17 interceptions playing for 19 utah at state utah state year, yeah please. 19 is ridiculous so like no thanks but you know the thing is for me is that yeah i agree 100 percent. and look we're stidham guys and you guys know that we bang the stidham drum we've been doing it since freaking august of last year so <laughs> you know we we love stidham around here Right, so obviously we want we want him, you know, give him a chance to prove himself. And yeah, fine, you want to bring someone else in, but what do you like? You said, okay, you take you take a guy in the fourth, fifth round. Is that guy going to beat out Stidham? But no, that's not going to happen. And and if for no other reason other than he's a rookie who gets no off season, right? Right now they're not meeting in in meeting rooms, right? They're doing a virtual off season, but that just means go work out on your own. Like that's what it is. It's like. It's like a workout plan. So it's not really, you know, he's not getting into the offense. He's not there saying, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to build up with, you know, with the with my teammates and I'm going to have time under center. And no, no, it's all processing stuff. So, you know, it doesn't make sense to bring in a guy in the fourth, fifth round when you feel like there's, you know, there's, uh, now I know they took a kicker in the fifth round, but when you feel like there's value there that you need on your team, why are you taking a quarterback? It doesn't make any sense. And so for me, all those people that are complaining about it, and look, maybe Stidham comes out and plays terrible. Now, I don't think it's going to happen, but maybe Stidham comes out and he's terrible. But, and I, I tweeted this out today, you really think Bill Belichick, a guy who openly criticized the Colts for not having a good backup plan when Manning got hurt, is going to let Tom Brady walk. Yes, boys and girls, let Tom Brady walk. You would think he's going to let Tom Brady walk and not have a guy that he believes in at quarterback? And that doesn't mean he's going to be great. But he's made it if Bill believes that. in him, what do you say? He's made it known. Like like Jim Nagy right. said, he said it since last August. Belichick praised Jared Stidham. He, yep. he downplays rookies all the time. He doesn't like your first round pick undrafted doesn't, dude. The, the things he right. said about him, like I know it's very blunt and fit and vague and, and he doesn't get into it, but. You know, Jared's very good. You know, we believe in him. We're confident in him. The, the progress right. he's made has been great. We'll see. Like, you don't hear that. So absolutely, that, that's like him blushing over him, basically. Yeah, no, 100%. I agree 100%. So anyways, that's all. I just wanted to touch on that because we don't really talk about that with Thor. But, but man, that's just really grinded my gears over the past few days. And people just keep keep harping on that. And it's like, listen, 
at a certain point, you just got to trust Bill Belichick. Guys got six Super Bowl wins. And I know a lot of it was Tom Brady. Uh, clearly, right? The guys on the field are the ones that win. But he's the one that makes all the decisions. And so, like, at a certain point, you just got to trust him, you know? And so that's what we're doing here. And that doesn't mean they're going to win the Super Bowl this year, okay? They're not going to win the Super Bowl this year. I mean, maybe they will. But they're probably not going to win the Super Bowl this year. But you got to at least trust him that he's going to put at least a semi-competitive team on the field because that's what he does every year. So, you know, it's what do you have that stat where it's like, what, they've got 21 losses of, yeah, of 14 uh, points or more or something ridiculous like that? Playoffs included, he has 94 losses here, and only 21 of them has he lost by more than two possessions. That's so, and, and and even the year he's 5-11 and 11 without Brady, they only, they only lost by, you know, 14-plus points twice. Right. You know, so, so that, and, and right. it's, yeah. That's what they do. That's what they do around here. They they give he's gonna put you in a position to be successful. Does that mean you're gonna win every game? No, but it means you're not gonna get blown out. And I think that's a huge part of it. So, anyways, all right. So let's get into the real expert here. Thor uh Thor is on with us. Uh Thor, if you don't follow him on Twitter, you should be. And uh he says his uh his Twitter handle in there, but it is Thor Koo. So it's uh Thor. You should know how to spell Thor, but T-H-O-R and then Koo K-U. Uh, he writes for Roto World and NBC Sports. Again, he's a you know a college sports guy, but he he, uh, he covers the NFL draft. Obviously, when it's draft season, so heck of a conversation with him. Was a this is a fantastic conversation. We really really enjoyed having him on, and uh, so I think you're gonna like it a lot. And that's that's gonna be our draft recap. So stick around for Thor, and we will talk to you next week. All right, we are gonna go over a little draft recap. Uh, talk to a, a very well respected draft guy. He works for Roto World and NBC Sports. He is Thor Nystrom. Thor, n- thanks for coming in. Also, you have maybe the dopest name in all of football. Uh, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> thanks, thanks, guys, and it's awesome to be here. Um, excited to talk about the draft. And pleasure to be here. Thor, you have the name yeah. of like a D one. SEC quarterback. Uh, th- that's the vibes I'm getting with that name. That, that's a that's a D1 big time football man. Yeah, I, I I definitely should have gone further in sports. You know, my, my football <laughs> career ended after my junior year of high school. I I was I was a center up until then, but uh, yeah, then I went into uh, to, jur- to sports journalism after that. You know, they, they sort of called me up and I had to hang up the cleats. But uh, it, it was a good athlete name or a UFC fighter would have been great. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh yeah. Yep. Even even just writing about sports, it gives you a little bit more. You're like, yeah, my name's Thor. You know, I know what I'm talking about. I sound like an athlete, so I know what I'm talking about. You know, so Dude, those, um, those Thor movies that came out and all the GIF options they gave me on Twitter, I'm t- it, it was oh, such yeah. a coup. I, I just use those Thor <laughs> GIFs all the time. It's tremendous. It's like an endless amount of them. And every time a new Thor movie comes out, I got like 50 new GIFs to work with. It's just tremendous. All right. Oh, and especially, I mean, after Ragnarok, the first two movies, Thor was like a snooze. And then, you know, Ragnarok comes out and Thor's this badass. And you're like, okay, now he's like one of the most well-liked ones. It's even better, you know? Little, it's just fabulous. And now you got the, the comedic ones too. And it's just great. Yep. Yep. Working out. So, all right, let's get let's get into why we're really here. Uh, we're talking about the Patriots draft. Uh, a little recap of the Patriots draft. Thor gave the Patriots draft a big fat F. So Uh-oh. we're going to talk about that. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we're going to harass him a little bit for it. But, but really, I just I, I want you to to explain because I think I, you know, we are we're obviously not that low. Spags is even a little bit higher than I am. But I just I want the the explanation behind it because you are an expert and there's a lot of experts that are talking about it. And, and I think it's a really good perspective to have the other side of it. So uh, 
So just explain a little bit. Don't get you know the whole thing. We could talk about every individual guy, but just uh, overall explanation as to why you gave the F. Yeah, you know, and, and like you said, we, we can talk. We can go one by one through the players later on, you know. But overall, I was just sort of confused on several different levels. I, I was confused about the value they were putting on specific players in specific slots. I was confused about you know who they were targeting, the positions they were targeting, the value they were putting on certain things. Um, I, I was just sort of confused by the general strategy. Um, and, and usually that's not the case, right? Like, you know, usually you leave a Patriots draft and you love a lot of what they're doing from a value perspective. And even like the guys that maybe some of them that you didn't love going in, you can see what they're doing schematically with the kid. And you're like, oh, well, that's going to be interesting in their system. This is one of the first years where I didn't see either of those two things, where I was just scratching my head you know we're like if if this hadn't been the patriots and this had been like the you know the Bengals or the lions or something picking this class i would have really hammered them you know but just mm. because it's the patriots you, you sort of just have to lay off just a little bit um and you know the so i made sort of two jokes in my snap grades column the the first joke i i'd take the easy joke and just say that uh it seemed like Bill Belichick's dog was the one submitting the picks, which was low-hanging fruit, but I, I just sort of had to take it. But then at the end there, I put, like, like it, it, you know, it, it sort of seems like maybe is, is Sensei Bill, you know, is he, is he tanking for Trevor here? Is there a bigger – is there something bigger going on? And Or maybe I'm, I'm just wrong. You know, maybe maybe they, the guys that were flying under my radar, they, they're seeing something in these kids that I am not, which is – Bill Belichick and all these guys have forgotten more about football than I will ever know, which I also want to concede to Patriot fans right off the bat. I, I am not smarter than those folks. You know, this is my opinion. I did the work on these prospects. We just happen to have a difference of opinion, you know, me and the Patriots on these specific guys. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get into that as we go along here. I'm sure. Thor. Okay. So we, we are the Jared Stidham fan club over here. Me and Pat, we've been driving this bus since last <laughs> August. So we do not say tank for Trevor on this. So there's one sure. shot. No, I'm just kidding. Jared Stidham's the truth. He's going to step in right away. And we'll, we'll get into that too. But I, I just, I yeah. had a couple of cool questions on, you know, you mentioned the players and it was kind of some head scratching there. And, and I think, you know, going into the draft, we talked about this for months, me and Pat, um, they needed a they needed to get more athletic and some depth at linebacker. You know, they got that in Josh Shea. Uh, one of his clips chasing down speedy KJ Hamler through the seam, you know, he, he's someone that can, you know, he might not contribute right away. I don't think a lot of these guys may not step in right away and provide such a big impact, but I think it's a developmental part and they get to learn in a, such a veteran heavy part of the defense. Anthony Jennings, good edge rusher, stout against the run. Um, you know, the one head scratcher, I think, but the more you think about it and we talked about it was the Kyle Duggar pick. No one expected that. But when you talk to guys and you hear guys, you know, around the league, a lot of teams had a second round grade on him. And I think that's a project, somebody that can come in right away. I know Brian Phillips will kill me for this, contribute right away on special teams, maybe get some time. He's going to kind of fill in that Pat Chung role, that dime back, come down, play in the box, take on bigger physical tight ends. That's kind of, I think, what they were thinking. I don't think when they drafted this class, they were necessarily looking to win right now because they're not really in all-in mode anymore. They don't have Tom Brady. They're not competing for a Super Bowl. So I, I just think it was more of a de developmental draft with, with some of these earlier picks. And I'd love to hear your take on that. Uh, yeah, it definitely could be. You know, and that's, you know, like talking about, 
you know, I mean, it, it definitely was a joke at the end there, you know, like the, the thing for Trevor thing, but maybe. No, I know. I'm like, just giving uh, you a hard time. <laughs> no, no, no. But maybe it's more like, um, like, a, you know, sort of uh, threading the needle, like sort of go in the middle where it's like they, they want to uh, give an extended look to a lot of high ceiling boomer bus guys next year. It's it, like you said, it's, it, it's not a Super Bowl contention roster, but where maybe they're willing to to sort of just like see this thing through like some of these different guys who have the ceilings like let's just throw them out there and and, and see what happens and, and maybe you know I mean like you mentioned Stidham we can have a Stidham debate in a bit because I I happen to watch a ton of Stidham oh in let's college. go starting, starting from the very start my brother happened to go to Baylor so I'm I'm actually a really big Baylor fan so I watched Stidham I followed his recruiting process. I watched him right from the start when he lit so it up you, at Baylor. Are you from, are you sour that he left Baylor? Is that why you're not high on him, or no? <laughs> I'm a little I'm a little bit chapped still. <laughs> but you know, we could, we could definitely talk about that. But like you know, maybe some of that is is you know it, it can speak to that a little bit. And you know, like like I said, like there's just a slight difference of opinion on some of these. You know, especially like some of these earlier ones, but they could go the other way. I mean, you know, if, if, if Duggar and Uche go uh, the other way, they're going to make me look like idiots, you know, in, in particular, the, the reason I was a little bit lower on Duggar in particular, I mean, first off, I mean, Patriots fans know this already, but I'll just say it. I mean, four, four, nine, 42 inch vert, 134 inch broad. You're talking 70th percentile, 97th percentile, 97th percentile tested in the 99th percentile overall by any metric. Um, and, and I, I would also tell, uh, the way that I contextualize this, Vince Carter and his prom had a 43 inch vertical, uh, Kyle Duggar is six one uh, two seventeen. He is a freak athlete among freak athletes, among freak athletes. So I just want to concede that right away. That, that is true. Um, my issue with Duggar is, you know, he's got to come all the way up from Lenore Ryan. Um, he's, he's going to be 24 years old real soon here. The other thing is he is. Is he already? No, no. He, I'm sorry. He already is 24. He turned 24 last month. So, yeah. so he's an older prospect. You know, one of the older prospects in the class. The other thing is, when I was watching his tape, you know, you watch it's like the grainy tape. It's like kind of like this Ruder film. He's yeah. not extremely polished in a couple different ways. Both technically on the field, they're gonna have to teach him even stuff like the back pedal, like stuff like that. I mean, like he he is very raw on the field. You know, just in terms of like the, the technique and stuff like that. The other thing is just in terms of processing, you know, and like the players he was playing against were not good, obviously, but he leaned so hard on the athleticism where it was like he waited to see where the plays were going and then he would fly there like Superman, which is great at that level. But at the NFL, you've got to start anticipating things in advance. You can't just lean on the 90, 99th percentile athleticism. Now for Duggar, he's going to the right, the right place, right? Like, I mean, he's, he's going to be working now with some of the genius coaches of all time, you know, he's working with John Nash and like, you know, some of the, the real geniuses of our coaching age, you know, it, it, I mean, that's, that's what he needs because he needs to speed up that processor. And he also needs to work on the technique. If that can all get there really quick, that's great. But you know, what I was thinking about watching him and thinking about these different things is, man, I think Duggar's probably a couple years away developmentally just because he needs those steps, you know, in terms of that, he's jumping up in competition, needs to work on the technique, needs to work on the processing. He's probably a couple ways away, a couple years away from potentially realizing that, you know, for, from the, the tool set, all, you know, the toolbox all getting there and potentially realizing this from the chance of it getting there. But at that point, he's 26, 27. 
his athleticism is going to start to wane at some point in his late 20s. That's his special sauce. Like, th- there's a sort of cost-benefit analysis there. And so that is, is for me, the reason why he sort of lost it in the, in the eval. I still ranked him safety seven, but that's the reason why, for me, he was a little bit lower than with some other guys. And then Uche, you, you, Uche's a stud athlete. I mean, Uche, I mean, it's hard to nitpick any of that stuff. He's a stud athlete. He put up huge numbers last year at Michigan. I really respect Michigan staff. It's an NFL staff, you know, and they had Uche in the right spots and everything like that. My only issue with Uche, it's not really even an issue. Um, it's sort of like Uche is like the rich man's Carter Coughlin for Minnesota. He's a, he's a local kid here where it's a guy who is probably going to have to play maybe some off-ball linebacker, maybe he's an edge, like he, he was an edge at Michigan, but he doesn't have the prototypical length, size to do that in the NFL. So is he going to stay there? You're going to put him at off-ball? You're going to teach him that new thing? He's super raw, but he has that crazy athleticism. Like, how are you going to do that? Um, it, it, it was just sort of that stuff. Like, right now he's this tweener who doesn't have a position um, what are the what are the Patriots seeing there? Are they seeing a guy who's going to play off ball, like we're going to transition him there, or are they going to deploy him as this sort of banshee off the edge, but he's just super undersized and doesn't have the length? It, it was just some of that stuff. I, I just saw more risk in his profile, I think, than, than maybe some other folks. And I, I just wondered if maybe he was more of a tweener than a hybrid type, whereas, whereas I imagine that the, the Patriots were viewing him as more of a hybrid player. Do you guys have thoughts on those two guys? No, I mean, and look, I think I think the, that's completely legitimate for both of those guys. Duggar is definitely a big question mark, right? I mean, the athleticism is great. You're right. Like, there's there's a huge leap up from D two to to college football to uh, pro football. There's just there's no doubt about that. You know, uh, obviously he's going to be learning from McCordy and from Chung, and and they want him to step into that Chung role. That I know how important that role is to this defense. And so that's what they want. Chung's in the final year of his deal. He's probably getting up there. He's ended the last two seasons on injured reserve. Um, and so you look at it and say, yeah, Chung has been injured a lot. And so we need someone to kind of step into that role. And I think Duggar kind of brings that to them. The one thing I'll, th- I'll say about Uche, and I looked at the size and I was like, man, six one is a lot smaller than they usually like for their linebackers. He's got an 80-inch wingspan. 80 that's eight zero his wingspan mm, yep. is ridiculous so he does have he is while he is shorter he has long arms that are going to prevent the you know the line the uh lineman and whoever else is trying to block him from being able to get into him because his arms are long and so i think that that will give him a little bit of an advantage but i agree with you that he's not the prototypical guy they look for i just think the the thing for me is that what I like about those two picks is that they're going after the athleticism. And so many times they've made mistakes in the second round with Duke Dawson and with Jordan Richards and with these guys that are that are smart. Jordan Richards, all, all his teammates called him coach because he knew everyone's position on the field. He knew everything that everyone had to do on every single play. The problem is he's just not a good football player. So they draft him in the second round because they think he'd fit and he, and he can mentally process the game, but he's not a stud athlete. And so now you go and say, okay, yeah, maybe this guy has some wrinkles for sure. Like he has some things he has to work through, but he's a stud athlete. And I think, I think for, for me, for both of those guys, you look at the athleticism and I just think they're off the charts. And so the Patriots taking a shot. And I think, look, I understand why people uh, aren't, aren't high on it. And I think for me, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, But that's why I am a little bit higher on those two guys. Um, But there is one guy that I have serious concerns with. And I do want to talk about that next because the biggest issue Last year with the Patriots was tight end. Tight end was an embarrassment last year. The fact that they've done nothing for years on that is a joke. 
And so they finally addressed that. They traded up twice uh, in the third round to get uh, Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene. And Asiasi, I think, has potential to develop into a number one tight end. The kid is, you know, can run block and can catch. I think he has some some uh, rack ability, which is great. And Keen kind of has the same thing. The problem I have with Keen is that, you know, he projects as like a Kyle Juszczyk, which is fine, but they gave up two fourth-round picks and a sixth-round pick next year for a guy who is like a fullback or something. Like, I, you know, and I know he's good. I know he's good at, you know, after the catch and stuff, but I didn't see a lot from him from the tight end spot, running crisp routes, getting open, fighting through traffic. It was a lot of, like, manufactured um you know, targets for him where he's coming out of the backfield, he's going in motion and something or it's a screen pass. So I'm not super high on the keen pick. That one scares the hell out of me um, from that second tight end spot. I would have loved Trotman in that spot, but obviously they felt differently. But, you know, I, I, I would like your take on the tight ends, but I think Asiasi to me um, fits really what they what they want. And obviously they like the athleticism of Keen, but he scares me. Yeah, so let's start with Asiasi. Asiasi, when I, I think I was doing the tight end, uh, studying them closer, uh, early March, mid-March, nobody was talking about Asiasi. And when I started watching his tape, and, you know, just to give folks like a background of Asiasi, he was coming out of uh, California. I think he was either a five-star or a low four-star. top 50, like coming top out, 50 coming out, right, out of De La Salle? Yeah, yeah, and coming, out, coming out of the powerhouse down there. Like, so he was like this ballyhooed prospect. He goes to Michigan and didn't play right away, he transfers back back home to UCLA, and then he was, you know, he had to sit out a year, and then his third year, he was stuck behind Caleb Wilson, who NFL fans, you know, they might not think a ton of him, but Caleb Wilson was like a really, really good receiving tight end in college, and so it wasn't until Asiasi's fourth year that he kind of broke out. Well, by that time, college fans thought that he was a recruiting bust, because everyone had waited, you know, they thought he was going to be a stud, like right out of the gate, whatever, so like when I, I was checking out Asiasi's tape, you know, i I wasn't particularly expected to be blown away. I, I'd only caught one UCLA game live this year. So, again, like, you know, it's one of those things that you're just going in and you're like, okay, I'll just check out another tight end. You're just sort of going through all these things. When I watch Asiasi, you know, again, especially because no one was talking about Asiasi at this time. So, right. you know, sometimes you're, you just sort of go through and, you know, you, you watch like four games of these kids, whatever. And, you know, a lot of times just like, ah, it's another boring, you know, whatever prospect, whatever. And so that, that was sort of what, what I was expecting. And all of a sudden, this Asiasi kid, he's crushing guys as a blocker. He's getting down the seam. He's got these long arms. Like, he's moving quicker than I thought he was. And I was like, damn, like, this kid actually looks like the, the top 50 recruit coming out. Like, like you know, has he been overlooked? And I, I kept watching him, and, and game after game, he was doing stuff. And, you know, I, I, I just sort of wonder, like, you know, like I said, like, I think this kid is getting overlooked. It, he can block, he can catch, and he moves better than, than I had thought heading in. He, he can do all these different things. He's a bit sawed off, sure. You know, I, I, I think he measured in maybe 6'3", but he's a friggin' load. And like, he's great through the seam, too, which you know how New England uses that, you know, what, what, what was Rob Gronkowski's bread and butter. And a lot of his highlights, man, were through the seam, over the middle, I, I, just mirroring what you said. Like, you look at his tape, it, there's really nothing that's bad that sticks out with him. At, oh, absolutely. Like, in this class, like, you know, I watched all these kids. Uh, Troutman doesn't block. Cole Komet really doesn't block. He's like, he plays, he just chest bumps people. 
you know, uh, uh, Hunter Bryant, he doesn't know what blocking is. You know, like you just go down on these kids and watch their, you know, they don't want to be physical at all. Ozzy, Ozzy, he wants to crush people. And he's only 6'3", you know, sure, but he weighs as much as, you know, most of these kids. You know, just in terms of the bulk, he's up there with anyone, especially when you consider how sawed off he is. He's also long. You know, in, in terms of his wingspan and stuff, which which he makes up for both as a blocker and in, in terms of like his length as a receiver. You talk about him down the seam. He has a deceivingly long catch radius. So both in terms of like as a runner, you know, in terms of his movement, that's what surprised me watching him. It's like because when you see him, it's just like you know he's six. What, what is he six three? Like like two sixty something like that. Yeah, he's big. Yeah, he's and big so dude. like when you just see just see him. He he looks like he he looks weird. Like it doesn't look like he's gonna move fluidly, and he's not like the you know it's not like he's a four four guy, but he moves way more fluidly than you would expect a guy six three you know two sixty to move way more fluidly. And also he's got these long arms, and so he's just stabbing balls out of the air. Um, you know, so so both in terms of that, but then also as a blocker, like I said, he crushes people, and he actually gives effort. And he, all of that mass is condensed down. It, it's not spread over a 6'5 frame, a 6'6 frame. It's crushed down in, into a 6'3 frame, and he brings it. And so he was one of the true dual threat tight ends, you know, in, in this class. I had him as a top five tight end. I really liked him. I, and I thought he was going to go – I thought he was going to fall way down the board. He went right around where I had him ranked, and I thought I had him ranked, like, like really high. I loved Aussie Aussie. And it turns out that was one of the few picks where the Patriots and I were seeing it eye to eye. I, I think that's a tremendous pick. He's one of the very few true inline pros, tight end prospects in this class that you can truly project to every play, get after it as a blocker, execute his assignment. And as a receiver, not only can he get down the seam like you were mentioning, but I think he has more room to grow in that area. Because again, I want to go back to that. Coming out of high school, he goes to Michigan. He barely plays, which he was a true freshman moving across the country. That's fine. His second year, he moves back because of NCAA rule, he had to sit out as a transfer. Right. That's fine. His third year, he's behind Caleb Wilson. Well, no one's going to play behind Caleb Wilson. Caleb Wilson that year caught like 100 bucks. So his first opportunity, essentially, to play full-time was this year. And what they were having him do was, you know, it was mostly sort of this down-the-seam kind of stuff. He hasn't had the opportunity to, de- to develop a full route tree. I think in, in New England, they can teach him more of that stuff because, again, he moves more fluidly than, than it looks like he does. He's not one of these stiff kids. So – I really like his potential. I, I, I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts on that pick. No, I love it. I, I'm I'm with you 100%. We were just texting. Spags and I were just texting, like, we're getting all jacked up. Now you're talking about <laughs> us. Fired up about you know? Fired up. Let's so, get on to Keen. I love though. it. Yeah. Yeah. Keen was my – that's my question mark, yeah. man. I'm, I'm, he scares the hell out of me. I know, he, I know he's got the measurables and everything else, but he, he scares me. Yeah, so Keen was actually a guy that – I thought I was a little bit higher on than other folks, but it turns out the Patriots are way higher on him because I, I didn't have him in the same value range as, as Ossie Ossie, and he went sort of uh, right around there. I had him um, as tight end 11, but really he's more of, and, and I think you were getting at this earlier, he's more of an H-back. You know, he's like at, uh, at Virginia Tech, they, uh, they nicknamed him Rambo. You know, he's got like this yeah. long hair. He's an athletic kid. They moved him around. Um, he's an energy player, but he's also, you know, athletic, you know, t- to another one of your earlier points about the kind of guys that they were targeting. He tested in the 80th percentile at 6'4", 253, and you can see that on tape. 
he moves around really well. He also plays, you know, special teams, which which the Patriots are going to like, stuff like that. So he's versatile, you know, and stuff like that. The issue is, and I, I think that you alluded to this as well, is that Virginia Tech, despite the fact that Dalton Keene was on the field a lot over multiple years, they were never comfortable getting him the ball very much, right? And it's like kind of the ball kind of gobbles him up. And even though he, he is sort of versatile, you know, in that, you know, you can play him sort of in line, you get full back, you know, you, you can motion him around, different stuff like this. You're not comfortable throwing him the ball, even though he is a good athlete. So it's like, is he ever going to develop into a guy where you could deploy that athleticism as, you know, as someone where you can get him the ball? I'm not really sure. It, it never manifested on the college field. What I am confident about him is he's going to block for you. He's going to give you effort. He's a guy that yeah. jacks up the crowd. He jacks up his teammates. Like, New England's going to love him. You know, there's going to be that Rambo thing. The coaches are going to love him. You know, there's going to be that whole thing. But is he a guy that moves the needle? Is he a guy that's going to score touchdowns, going to get you yards, get you reception? That I'm not sure of, but I'm sure they're looking at him as this sort of like H-back guy that they could do different stuff with in the formation. I'm just not sure with the ball in his hand that you're going to get a ton of value out of him. I know he's going to get blocks for you, though. So that that's yeah. what I saw out of him. Okay. All right. I like it. All right, so I just want to just briefly talk about uh, day three. Just I, I really only want to talk about two guys, to be honest with you. We're going to skip the kicker because the kicker, people lost their flipping minds about him with the three percenter tattoo and all this other stuff. People went nuts, <laughs> and I have no idea what the hell is going on. But all I know is that he's, he's a cold-weather kicker who can kick pretty good in, in the clutch. So whatever. I don't know. I, I would trust the Patriots to look at him. I have no idea what the hell they're talking about. So, uh, But the two guys I did want to talk about on day three were uh, Michael Onwenu and Justin Heron. Onwenu, two extremely different people. Onwenu is just an absolute beast of a man uh, who doesn't move very well, but is just an absolute monster if you let him inside. Uh, and then Heron is is a guy that has a lot more agility, a lot quicker. Uh, a lot of people say that he'll have to move from tackle to, to guard in the NFL, but another guy, again, now he's 6'3", but he's got an 80-inch wingspan, almost 80, uh, 80.5 inches, I, I should say. And so for me, a guy with the length and athleticism to play the tackle position at, at the at the NFL level, I think at least. Um, and he's not quite as strong. And so I don't know why it just doesn't make sense to me. Why are you gonna take a guy who's not as strong but is, is agile and move him to guard instead of leaving him a tackle? I, I don't that doesn't make any sense to me, but I don't know. I, I just I'm curious about your thoughts there. And then one or two guys that were UDFAs that you think can make this team. Yeah, so let's start with Heron. Um, I, I thought it was interesting that the, the Patriots took him. I actually talked to Heron at the combine, and he was one of those guys I walked away from the interview. I was like, that that kid's kind of interesting. Heron was he, – so he's an offensive tackle, and usually you think you talk to offensive tackle, they're like, you know, these big, mean guys. Justin Heron was so soft-spoken. He was – in you know, I don't know if the people out there, they know sort of the setup of the combine, but basically, like, the NFL puts, like – you have these different sessions. And so like the offensive tackle session, they'll have like the 10 or 12, you know, guys that they perceive to be the best prospect. They'll put them at the podium. So they have these podiums spread out and then the media who, you know, whoever wants to talk to them, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll go around the podiums and then the lesser guys they'll put at tables. And so then like, you know, if, if you want to talk to them, you just sort of, you're clustered at these tables. Well, Heron was at one of these tables and I was sort of interested in Heron. You know, I, I like the Wake Forest, yeah, I, I like that team a little bit. They, they this coach Dave Kloss and the Claw offense, all this stuff. They play really up tempo. So, so I, I made a point to go over and talk to Justin Heron. So I go and talk to him. 
he is so soft-spoken with such a soft voice, I actually could not hear his responses over everybody else talking. Like, I had to, like, lean forward, like, and, and stuff like that. Um, but he was just kind of an interesting kind of kid. He was different, you know, than, than some of these other, mm. other guys. Just in terms of his game, um, a couple different things. I was surprised that he tested as poorly as he did at the combine, and he tested in the 30th percentile. I agree with something that you were saying before. I think he's more athletic than that. He certainly is on tape. He, he yeah. does not play like a 30th percentile kind of guy. I, I thought he was more of a zone-type tackle. Um, I did not see, uh, you know, like, like I said, a, a 30th percentile guy. I also agree with what you're saying in terms of, of him with power. I, I think that that's the big bugaboo there. Um, I see him as a, you know, just as kind of a zone kind of a guy. I like his his movement. I don't think he's going to get beat by movement, even at the next level. Um, what he struggles with, it, it's those power guys. He struggles with bull rushers and stuff like that. So moving him inside, um, yeah, I, I, I might have the same sort of issue with that. I, I think I'd prefer to keep him on the perimeter, you know, and sort of use that movement, you know, the, the, the movement out there, him shuffling his feet and stuff like that, because it, it seems like he's got that down pretty good you know, try to develop him into a, uh, you know, pass blocker and stuff like that at the NFL level. Um, I, I think I see where they're going with that. I, I, I like that pick enough. You know, I, I'm, I'm definitely fine with that pick taking a stab there. Um, as far as on when you, it's, it's sort of the opposite, you know, like you were, you were indicating on when you, interestingly enough, it, it sort of goes the opposite way where I didn't think on when you was going to test well at all. He tests in the 66th percentile at six right. two three forty four. He doesn't move around like that on the field. He doesn't. He doesn't really play like a 66 percentile athlete. You know, I would have thought it would be kind of flipped, but you know, it is what it is. But you know, he was a four star coming in. Um, you know, like a you know a ballyhoo kind of recruit. He's got to keep his weight down. He, he's really going to have to monitor that, and hopefully, the Patriots have you know they have a sort of you know weight program for him or whatever. But he's one of those. He, he's sort of the opposite kind of alignment of hair and he's just sort of a phone booth um bully type you know he, he's just right. looking to bowl people over bulldozer type um he's got a lot of power particularly you know in his, in his upper body or whatever um but as far as like the movement and stuff like that as far as like his footwork and stuff like that the the, the movement skills just aren't there he's gonna have to clean up some of the stuff as far as his footwork goes so they're gonna have to teach him some stuff it would be nice if the Patriots could figure out a way to combine Heron and Onwenu into yeah. one player, right? because I It'd think be nice you really have something there. Yeah, I agree. I agree on that. Just give me one or two. We do want to talk about Stidham, so we don't have a ton of time left, but just one or two UDFAs that you think could make the team. You guys got to give me the class. I don't, I don't even know. I, I haven't seen who the Patriots. All right, so, so I'll give you. I'll give you two names. I will give you the two names that I think uh, have a shot. Is is Jeff Thomas from Miami and Nick Coe from Auburn? Ooh. I know they both have issues. Yeah. So for me too, just to uh, touch on both I, of those I, guys talked about Thomas uh, early in the show. Go ahead. Go I ahead, like, uh, I like Jeff Thomas and uh, Jared Sinnon's little slot receiver, Will Hastings. Um, oh, Will Hastings. Those are my right. two. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, those are two wide receivers. Those are two, not necessarily that I think will make the team. I think they'll, you know, this a 16 year streak or something crazy like that that a UDFA makes a team. I think this is the year that it definitely keeps on going with the way the roster is. I love Nick Coe from Auburn, another Auburn kid. Um, but yeah, Thomas Hastings Coe are, are two or three guys really that I have an eye on that should have a good chance. That's super interesting that they got a uh, Stidham slot receiver from Auburn. That's, that's definitely yeah. 
Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> something to keep an eye on if uh, if Stidham's is there. That's, that's interesting. Um, the Jeff Thomas one, that that's a really interesting signing. I, Jeff Thomas, you know, coming out of high school was one of the higher receiver recruits in his class. Every program in the nation wanted Jeff Thomas, you know, 5'9", 170, and an absolute burner. You know, it right. didn't really work out for him at Miami ever for like a variety of reasons. He just never really put up good stats. But a part of that was, and, you know, people out there probably know this, Miami's offense has been a joke for a long time. And that's not necessarily Jeff Thomas's fault. But, you know, if you're a player like that, and we, we sort of talked about this with a player who's like a rich man's Jeff Thomas in his class, Jalen Ragor, who was stuck within a crappy offense with crappy quarterbacks. If, if you don't, if, if you're a guy like that, a smaller guy who doesn't have a big catch radius and, and your game is predicated on athleticism, but you don't have a quarterback that can hit you in the hands, you're, you don't have the ability to get the yak because you don't, you don't get the, the C, right? So you can't get the yards right. after. So it, it was the same thing with Thomas. We didn't get to see that explosiveness. And, and it's almost too bad. Like, you know, like I said, it, he had every program in the nation coming after him. It's almost too bad he didn't get, you know, end up at, you know, say Ohio State, I remember, it was, you know, because he was from the Midwest. It's almost too bad he didn't end up at a school like Ohio State. I, I think he really could have torn it up there with Haskins and Fields and stuff like that. But instead he went south, he goes to Miami, and it just didn't work out. And, you know, he was considering transferring back to Illinois to play with Lovey Smith before last season, but he, he reversed course, went back to Miami. And, again, it, he just had another sort of lackadaisical season. He was suspended for a couple games. But the athleticism is still there. Uh, he only ran a four four five at the combine, but I, I think he's faster than that. I mean, he he, he is a burner, like quasi four three speed. Um, that that's the thing to keep an eye on. You know, God only gives so many people, you know, low four four, high four three speed. So that's the thing to watch out for. He still retains some of that shine, you know, that he had coming out. Um, it, it, he's another guy that could potentially be a kick returner, stuff like that. That's something to keep an eye on. But he's a kid who had some character issues. You know, I mean. He, he was also kicked out of the, the Miami program. I, I didn't mention that when he was yeah. thinking about going back to Illinois. So, I mean, but, you know, he signed with the Patriots. I mean, that's, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's an NFL team. that's not going to take any uh, crap. That's so Mr. Yeah. Mr. Thomas better keep his head screwed on straight. Um, but he is a very good, I mean, if nothing else, if nothing else, nothing else, if he can't crack the, the receiver rotation, you know, nothing like that. He's a very good return man. He's got the juice, he, he, you know, he, he can evade folks, um, and, and he showed that over a period of time. He averaged, I think, almost almost 20 yards a, a punt return. So, um, anyway, and, and a kick returner guy, too. Um, who's the other? Oh, and Nick Cole. Nick Cole's interesting. He, he's, he's interesting in sort of the way that, like, a poor man's Marlon Davidson is, you know, the, the guy who played on the, the other side there. And, and yeah. like, you know, I was sort of talking about this with uh, – you know, we were talking about this before the show. We, you know, we were sort of uh, doing our love fest for Kayvon Wallace. And we were talking about why does nobody, like, why did Kayvon Wallace not get his due during the draft process? Even though he could do all these different things, he's athletic. Like, he proved it over multiple years. His advanced stats are awesome. His charting numbers are awesome. His tape is awesome. Well, it, it sort of seems like it's because Isaiah Simmons was blotting out the sun. And every time people watch the tape, it's like, oh, Isaiah Simmons. And, you know, you, your eyes were just drawn that way with, with a guy like Nick Cole and, and you, know, you know, also with, with, with Marlon Davidson and stuff like that. You had Derek Brown there. And Derek Brown was sort of taking up the interior spot. Well, Marlon Davidson probably should have been playing the three-tech the whole time. But because Derek Brown was there, Marlon Davidson had to play out of position his entire career on the edge. 
well, Nick Cole, he probably should have been playing inside maybe, right? Like he's sort of a yeah. – talk about like a sort of tweener guy. Like he's super-duper long, but he's also like a, a really big kid. You know, his dimensions, just on the top of my head, what, what is it, like 6'5", 285, something like that? I think so. Uh, hold on, like I can check. Some around there. And he's just got to decide what, what he's going to be at the next level, but he's a really talented kid. Like he either needs to decide like – I'm going to add 20, 25 pounds, or, you know, maybe I need to lose a little bit. But as far as going to the Patriots, I think it's a really nice fit because that's one scheme where he can play end, right? Like right. He's, yep. he's not a four, three end because he can't play, he can't play edge in that kind of a scheme. But, you know, I, I think the Patriots are a scheme where he can. So like, you know, he, he is sort of a tweener, but I think, you know, latching up with a team like the Patriots, their defensive scheme, I think that's one scheme where, him being a tweener at that spot where he could potentially stay at an end. What we know is, is that he can set the edge. He's got a lot of power out there. He's got length for days on the edge. We know that. So he can do that stuff. And you can also make the argument that like his game played down because, well, maybe not even played down, but just that like he didn't get, he didn't get it due. And maybe he was even playing out of position because of Brown and because of Davidson, like all this stuff, like Auburn's defensive line was stupid. These last yeah, couple of years. And Nick yeah. Cole, you know, he was another Ballyhooed super talented kid. But, like, you know, he's playing next to these other studs. He just never got his due. Even when Nick Cole would get sacked, it'd just be like, oh, you know, the the, the, the offense was double teaming Derek Brown. And you know, right. like, he would never get credit for what he was doing. But, you know, again, he, he's a kid who's got a lot of length. He's got power and he's got some skill. And so I, I think the Patriots are thinking, well, you know, maybe we can make a 3-4 end out of this kid. Mm, okay. Right. So, Thor, to finish it up here, you know, we talked about it earlier in the episode. Uh, I want to get into Stidham because, obviously, the Patriots go the route. They don't draft a quarterback. I think a lot of people, you know, Jalen Hurts, Jake Fromm, Jacob Eason, day two, something like that. Nope. You know, they got to take one day three, maybe a developmental guy, uh, a career backup, someone like that. Nope. They go out, they sign two undrafted free agents to fill the room with Stidham and Hoyer. Uh, Brian Hoyer, who, you know, I know me and Pat have a ton of respect for. I think he's one of the best backups in the league for, for what he can do for a QB room. He's a great mentor. Tom Brady trusts him with half the game plan. You know, he, he's going to be great for that kid or whoever, you know, they, they decide to hand the keys over to, but I do want to touch on him because like I said, me and Pat have kind of been beating this drum for a long time. Pat tells the story all the time. He's at the Patriots, um, practice for press. He told Andy Hart of WEI, Jared Stidham's the next guy. And everybody looked at him like he had nine heads. And Pat, you're you're pretty much right now. Um, but you know, I, I think it's a guy where, you know, they're gonna get him to a spot where they're gonna make things super, super easy for him. Easy reads, you know, um, you know, McDaniels is so good at developing quarterbacks. You've seen the success he's had over the obviously Brady, um, him and him, they were they were close friends. Garoppolo, Brissett, Matt Castle got a nice little contract. You know, the list goes on and on. And I just think this kid had, you know, first round arm talent. You know, that was kind of the label around him. And obviously, I don't think he was used correctly, especially his last year in Auburn. I don't think they they used him to the best of his ability to to kind of maximize his skill set. I think they're going to get him to an to a point where, you know, they're kind of building this team. And I just wrote an article about it today and, you know, kind of got some positive reviews around it. It's kind of built a little bit like the 2001 team if you think about it. A veteran you know, veteran leading defense, strong offensive line, power run game with guys who hang on to the football. 
And then you got your chain movers. You can trust Julian Edelman over the middle. The, the two tight ends should help. You know, you're hoping that Nikhil Harry and, and Jacoby Myers make big jumps in their second year. Muhammad Sanu comes back. I think this kid, I mean, he's got legit arm talent and, and we'll be able to get him to a point where he can win them some football games. Yeah, so, and I agree with what you're saying about Stidham at Auburn. I, and I'll go back further, not just, you know, his last year at Auburn, both years at Auburn, you know, that, that he played there. Like, it wasn't a great fit for him. And, you know, he got to leave Baylor, and he could have picked to go anywhere. And I think that he made a poor decision. And he made it because, like, first of all, he had a really good relationship with the Bryles. You can't really judge him for that, like, you know, that's just where he, he picked to go out of you yeah. know, high school or whatever. And he didn't know what was going to go on there, that that whole thing was going to devolve. And, For you know, sure. obviously he had to transfer out after that thing. And he spent a year at Juco. Well, then he was going to transfer. The Bryles has had a good relationship with Malzahn, you know, and, the, you know, just like we were talking about with some of these other kids, like everyone is going after Stidham, you know, as a transfer, because he was going to come in wherever he was going to go. is going to be an immediate starter. He's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. And Auburn, you know, heavily, heavily pursued him. And they sort of had inroads to him because some of these pre-existing relationships. So he picks Auburn. But the issue was, and, and you were alluding to this, it was a bad fit. And the reason it was a bad, it, it's very specific. Jared Stidham, what he's really good at, it, it, this sort of is like the, um, it's sort of like with uh, Burrow. You know, like when, what Burrow was talking about, like they, they'd ask him, like, you know, you remember in 2018, Burrow throws for less than 3,000 yards. And then people are asking him, like, well, why did you throw for, like, you know, 5,500 yards this year or whatever? And he's like, well, you know, because they let me have five receivers finally. I don't need six, seven guys protecting me. I want five receivers out there. That's what I'm good at. I want to spread the field. What Jared Stidham is really good at is when the entire field is spread. That's what he wants to do. That's why he went to Baylor. They had the most spread offense in the nation. That's what Browse was famous for. He wanted his receivers, essentially, on both sides to have one foot as close as they could to the sideline. He wanted to have the most spread offense of any spread offense, right? And so that's where Stidham went. And, like, as a freshman, when, when he came on, the, uh, the starter, I forget, broke his ankle. Bryce Petty, I think it was that year. But, anyway, he, he broke his ankle, so Stidham got to play. And Stidham was awesome that year, like, when he came in. And then Stidham got hurt as well. And I think they had a – they had a running back start the bowl game at quarterback or something. Anyway, something crazy. crazy. But Stidham was like – he had like a 13-1 to 1 TD INT that year, you know, coming in, whatever. And he was really, really good in that offense. But going – you know, like when he had to go to a different offense, like at Auburn, you saw some of the warts of his game. And basically what that is is Jared Stidham struggles under pressure. Like he's really good when he's in wide open spaces and he can see his receivers in wide open spaces. The more that things get confined and he's in like a phone booth and people are in his face and stuff like that, the more you see crazy decisions come out of him. And you're right. He's got a ton of arm talent, right? And so, like, that's why as a true freshman, people were saying, man, this kid might be a first-round pick because you'd see him just rip some balls, rip some balls down the seam. You know, you'd see him hit guys, you know, like on the hands, you know, streaking across the middle, all this kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, man, this kid's like 18, 19 years old and he's already just shredding defenses. But like, you know, as it, you know, th then it was like, you know, a couple years later, he's at Auburn. It's like, this kid's regressed a ton. It's like, well, has he regressed or is this just not his game? Like Malzahn's got him in this weird offense where everyone's motioning around. You have a ton of guys around the line of scrimmage. Like, you know, it, it, he just had to be in shotgun with like four receivers out there. And 
only a five offensive lineman. Like, you know, try to do more of like the Burrow thing. Try to do, you know, more of like the, the Bryles thing. I, I think that that's more right. of what his game is. Stidham's the guy who would just shred people in like summer leagues, you know, like the seven on seven. As long as there's not pressure in his face and there's not, you know, whatever, he he's going to make those throws. He has the arm talent. He looks the part. He's got the frame. He has athleticism, everything like that. My concern with him as an NFL quarterback were that he had extreme struggles under pressure and he wasn't done any favors at Auburn, neither by the scheme, by his coaches, um, or by his offensive line, which wasn't very good either of his two years there. So I, yeah. I think that there you still have some of the shine there. He found the right team. He found the right situation. So I, mm-hmm. I'll grant you guys all that kind of stuff. I still am a little bit concerned about Jared Stidham under pressure, but I, I guess we'll see. Well, I, I mean, and I think I think it's completely legitimate, right? And the thing for me, and Spags has a story, right? I mean, it's like I saw it in training camp. You look, you watch the first day of training camp, and he reminded me of Jimmy G. Not forget about the whole picture, but just just in the quick processing and quick release. Take his three step drop, boom, get it out. See you later. Like, yep. go. And that's and that's what the Patriots like. Let find the quick decision. Get rid of the ball. Never mind holding on the ball, looking for the best. Just get rid of it because that's the most important thing you can do. And don't make stupid mistakes. Now, of course, we'll see what happens. There's no way to know. But just seeing that, I was like, okay, this reminds me of what I saw from Jimmy G early on, which is take your three-step drop or your five-step drop, whatever it might be. You hit it. You find your guy. You get rid of it. And I think that that's, that's such an important piece for them. And I think they like that from him. Now, again, once there's pressure in his face, you know, what is he, how's he going to respond to that? Brady didn't respond to it well last year either. So who the heck knows what's going to happen. But I think at least from that perspective, for me, I was okay with them not going after a quarterback because it's like, Hey, they have a shot now. Now they picked up Jamar Smith who people rave about his tape um, from, from Louisiana tech. And so of course he was an under, under the free agent. Like he's got a long way to go, but you know, an upside prospect or whatever to have to kind of have in the room as well. Um, but we'll see. I, I'm okay with it. I know some people are upset they didn't draft a quarterback and we're docking them for that. I like the fact or you, you know, you give them an F, but I think it's a legitimate reason. It's not like I don't get it. They're stupid. They didn't draft a quarterback because I think that that stuff is overblown. Even a wide receiver, I think that stuff is overblown. You're looking at the at the prospects that they got. And you have a different grade on the prospects. You just think you don't agree with the prospects. And I think that that is okay. And I think for me, when I look at someone like that, I think that you have, you know, a good insight into maybe not necessarily what the Patriots are doing, but I like your thought process. And it's not about like, okay, I hate their quarterback and they should have drafted their quarterback. That's why I'm giving them F. You're saying, I see what they did. I like what they did, but I'm not as high on on, on the prospects as I am. And so that's why I give them the grade I gave them. I appreciate that. And that that's a hundred percent right. You know, it, it's not a reductionist thing where it's just like, Oh, you know, you know, I had this conception of, of what they were going to do. And because, you know, they didn't see it my way, I'm going to be petulant with it. It doesn't have anything to do with that. It, it more right. or less has to do with, with, with my conception of, of, of value in specific spots. And again, I'm willing to concede that the guys in that room know more about football than I do. And these guys that they took, especially at the top, they are these projectable guys and I, I gave my reasoning for why I had them ranked lower. Those guys absolutely could play up. They could play up to those draft slots, and they could play above those draft slots. And then I'll look like an idiot, or 
you know, they, they might, they could bust because they are right. by definition boomer bust prospects. And the other point I want to make is I really like your comp of, of, of sort of Stidham to Jimmy G. Jimmy G has a lot yeah. of the same strengths and weaknesses. And by the way, still does. Still does. Yeah. You know, Jimmy G, he's a guy who still gets criticized for his play under pressure. And yet he's a quarterback who brought his team to the Super Bowl. And probably they should have won that game. And so if, if Garrett Stidham can become any – if he could become 90% or 95% of Jimmy G, that would be a bonanza for the Patriots. So I, I like that. And that's going to be something I'm going to watch for. I hadn't thought about that before, but I, I like that. All right. Well, there you go. Look at that. And you know what? I'll, I'll tell you, for me personally, I like the way that you're doing the draft grades because you at a certain point, you have to stay on your ground, right? You've yep. done all this work all year long. You look at all the prospects, and then you say, okay, the Patriots drafted. I'm, I'm lower on these guys than they are. So – of course, you have to say, yeah, clearly, you would hope at least the Patriots know more than you do, but you have your ranking. So you have to stick, you, know, you got to stick to your guns on that and say, hey, look, I'm not as high on these guys. And so that's why I give them the grade they give them. I just think there's so many guys out there that give that reductionism, like you said. Well, they don't have a quarterback and they don't have wide receivers. They didn't draft a quarterback or wide receiver. So it's an F. And it's like, well, wait a second. Like, what about the guys that they got? You know? And so for you, I, I just like the way that I'm okay with the F because. You're sticking to your guns. You're saying, "Hey, I'm not as high on on these guys as they are," and so because of that, that's where the that's where the draft grade comes from. Not from you know, oh, they didn't draft this guy, and so they're stupid. And it's like, well, but that's not the that's not what they identified. And so you know, um, I just think I think it makes a lot of sense. So, anyways, that's that's all I wanted to say. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, and I, I tell people this on Twitter all the time because they're, they're like, "Oh, you think you know more than Belichick? You think you know more than?" And it's like, <laughs> no, I don't. No, I mean like. You know, this is my job, and I, you know, I, I cover college football when I'm not, you know, you know, these four months or whatever when I switch over to the NFL draft. So, like, right. I've watched a lot of these guys. You know, I mean, at best, you could think of me as like an area scout or something like that. I, I watch yeah. as much college football as anyone, and then I, I study the prospects and stuff like that. But still, it's just one man's opinion, you know, and that's right. what my job is, right? And like, I, I feel like there is a certain level of integrity to actually grading the draft, to, to not giving out 20 A's or whatever. So right. what, what I do, and this, this is absolutely intentional, I give two A pluses every class and I give two F's. And the rest of my grades, the rest of the there 28, they are evenly spread along the spectrum. So there's going to be two fan bases who are thrilled with me. There's going to be two fan bases who are furious with me. And then everyone else is like in between. But all it has to do is with a difference of opinion. So there's going to be two right. franchises who basically saw the exact same thing that I did. There's going to be two franchises who didn't. And But then the fan bases are, you know, I mean, that's just the way that it goes. But I'm not prescient. This draft, you know, this opinion was done a day, to, well, essentially the night of the draft. You know, and fans will say like, you know, you shouldn't do this until five years after the draft. And it's like, well, yeah, but my boss asked for it the night of. So and you read it. So, like, you know, it's just just the way it was, you know. So, you know, right. I, I tell that to Patriots fans, too. I'm, I'm just one idiot with an opinion. I did do the work on the prospect, but so did Mr. Belichick. So did the entire front office. They took projectable guys who absolutely could outplay my opinion of them and outplay their draft spot. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good point good point so all right though we're gonna let you go we've had you for quite a while it's been a great conversation we uh we probably talked to you all night i mean geez it's it's been it's been really good but before we let you go why don't you let people know like where they can read you where they can see you and uh and anything like that absolutely yeah you guys can follow me on twitter at thorku t-h-o-r-k-u uh you can find my work at roto world um on the uh, nfl draft section uh we had out uh 
like right now, like the UDFA rankings. So if you like, you know, I, I just, you know, the fellows asked me about the Patriots UDFA. So I love the UDFA process. I just didn't know who, who the, the, the Patriots had taken. So I, I was looking through it. You know, I, I saw DeMar Smith. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I saw Miles Bryant. I was like, man, that kid played really well in college. He's a small kid. He didn't test well. But, man, he, in terms of being a, you know, a slot guy in college, he was really good. They got Scooter Harris, Arkansas, whatever. But anyway, you can go on, on Roto World. You can see my, my position rankings for UDFA is, I'll have a UDFA class rankings like within the next couple weeks here. I got to wait for all the, the signings to become official. And then I have like an algorithm based on my rankings where like I, I rank out the classes and stuff like that. But I, I just love this stuff. I, I love the UDFA stuff too. I love talking about it. So, so there'll be that stuff. And then I'll have like a, a too early 2021 mock coming out at some point when I, when I have a little bit of time to, to jump into that class. I don't like to right. do it before I have time, you know, like I, this class, I'm so like ingratiated and I'm not ready to like let it go yet. But when I got Move a couple on. weeks to look yeah. into that class, I'll, I'll do that too. So anyway, come and check us out. Nice. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we'd love to have you on uh, maybe uh, next year, next year around draft time. It'd be a lot of fun. And, and you know what, when we do that, we can go back five years and take a look at the, uh, take a look at the, at the draft from five years ago, just like all the other, all the other, uh, quote unquote, you know, uh, what haters are, are yelling at you for grading the draft. Maybe we could do that too, you know? I hope so. Listen, I gave the Raiders an F last year. That fan base is still yelling at me. So I, <laughs> I assume that the Patriots they deserved it, though. yelling at me. Yeah. They deserve that yeah, F, though. I thought so, but the Raiders fans still think that they're right. And I'm thinking, well, you took a strong safety that doesn't that doesn't cover anyone that played in one game. You overdrafted right. a run defending defensive end at number oh, four, man. and and then you took a running back that okay, he's good, but it, you know, as a top twenty five pick, like that's right. a ton of draft equity. And I love yeah. Max Crosby, so you know. Anyway, don't get me yeah. started with the Raiders fans. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And uh, like I said, maybe we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Thor. Gentlemen, it was a pleasure. Great talking to you. Thank you. All right. Take care, man. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.